Okay, we are live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates on today's show. I have a very special guest. His name is Juan Ayala. I talked to him back just a couple weeks ago uh, on his podcast, and we just kind of talked about my work. But I saw that he's done a lot of research into subjects and topics I think are important for people to understand, particularly the topic we're going to talk about today, which is the subject of Manly P. Hall and the secret teachings of all ages. I have a copy of it. And uh, really kind of was an insight into esotericism, masonry. I think Manly B. P. Hall eventually became a 33rd degree mason. Mason, He didn't start very young, but I think he wrote the secret teachings of all ages in um, when he was very young, fairly 20, young. for 28, yeah. 28, yeah. So really interesting. And one interesting story is I grew up in Northern California, and every year they would bus us to this Rosicrucian Museum that's in San Jose. And inside it, it was all for, full of Egyptian hieroglyphics and symbolism and things like that. And you could actually buy a copy of the big version of Secret Teachings of All Ages. Granted, I was like 12 or 13. I eventually went back there, and that's where I got my copy because I was curious to read about it. But that place, that Amork place, uh, was associated with Crowley, which I later found out. I forgot the name of the guy who actually ran that in, in San Jose. He probably had to have known Manly P. Hall, but... They were kind of part of that whole Rosicrucian. It all kind of floats over. Maybe there are specifics within them, but they definitely are part of the Western esoteric tradition, I think it's fair mm -hmm. to say. Mm -hmm. But uh, Juan can talk more about that. He's very knowledgeable. I can tell that he's studied Hall because I remember we were talking in the pre-show. I'd seen one of Hall's lectures. It was one of his last lectures, but it took place at this very ornate, well-designed Masonic Hall in L.A. that I think... They don't even use anymore, but it is really an incredible, uh, you know, piece of art in a lot of ways. And it has statuary outside, fairly large, kind of like 20 foot statuary, very important people in the past or who they think are in the past. Pythagoras, actually, um, Albert Pike <coughs> and some other figures like uh, I guess that are important to masonry. But Juan can talk more about that. So Juan, welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. Thank you for having me, William. I appreciate it. I enjoyed our last chat, and people reached out from that chat as well, and they enjoyed it. So cool. It's a pleasure to be here, man. Thank you awesome. So, me. yeah, I'm, thanks for coming on. You've kind of done a lot. Of, I was looking through your YouTube channel and kind of the stuff you've kind of looked into. I would call you interested in the esoteric kind mm -hmm. of type themes. Can you talk about your background and what got you interested in mainly people? So... I just turned 29. I actually have a golden anniversary edition of the the big. It's like 24 inches. I have it down here, and uh, it's got the full colored plates. It's, uh, there was only 500 copies made, but so I'm 29 years old. I host the Juan Juan podcast, and I've always been interested in the weird, the occult, the esoteric. I remember as a kid researching the Bermuda Triangle, Bigfoot, and all these weird, right, the UFO phenomenon. And I grew up in a religious household. I was actually raised by my grandma, and we grew up Pentecostal Christian. And obviously Pentecostals, a lot of people on my podcast don't know that, but the, the Pentecostals, they go crazy. They speak in tongues. They do all this craziness. I've seen miracles. I played guitar for my church for many years. I traveled around with the church band. And I did see miracles. I did see things happen that were that you would consider supernatural. And whenever you're in worship, there is an energy that you feel when when that when everybody in the congregation is in that 
in that flow state, you feel the energy in the room. And I mean, that that's what we would call the Holy Spirit. And so I was always interested in this stuff. And once I moved out, started high school, I really started to branch out and start to do research, started listening to Joe Rogan and went down that rabbit hole. And then I started, got introduced to other podcasts like Tinfall Hat. And the podcasting medium for me was like, wait a minute. So you could, you're telling me that I could be doing work and be listening to knowledge, right? Because I was never really big into audiobooks or anything, but when I started to come across all these other podcasts of the conspiracy and esoterica type, I was like, okay. And for a long time, I was a listener of podcasts until three years ago and some change, I decided to start my own, but I didn't know exactly where to start. So I just started talking about regular stuff. I'm a father and I just a regular life. And then I started to dive deeper into this and it started with religion for me when I started to learn about the Gnostics and Gnosticism and other versions of the stories that I was told as a kid. I'm like, wait a minute, there's other versions. And I started to question, hey, why in the book of Enoch, why is it referenced in the canon, but it's considered non-canonical. But then the Ethiopian Bible is one of the oldest Bibles has it in their canon. So I started to go down that rabbit hole and I kind of cut my teeth on the Gnostic worldview and then i started to again i got introduced to mainly the hall's work and the secret teachings of all ages is one of those books that people all the time ask me where they should start and i go well start with mainly p hall because what i what i admire about him is that he was able to put it in layman's terms right for people to understand and digest not so much like a helena helena blavatsky where if you try to read the secret doctrine it's very mumbo jumbo it's hard to decipher and manly p hall took all those ideas and really broke them down and it's just like the tip of the iceberg so if, i always tell people read that if you don't like that you're not going to like anything else because esoterica is what specialized knowledge on one piece of information right so if you go down right the occult i mean there's there's various aspects of it there's alchemy there's there's magic with a k there's crowley there's austin a spar there's there's all these occultists of all time esoterica is pinpointing one of those guys and focusing and peeling apart all the knowledge that you can find on that one guy so i always tell people start with the secret teachings and if you don't like that then you're really not going to like what the rest of the occult scene really has to offer because this is like the elementary stuff that you start off with you know right so he broke it down i think he had like 400 references in there and that there's it's actually a nice piece of art like the artwork for whoever yes. he got to do the art is like Jay augustus nap yeah very legit and like i said like you have that nice copy i have one somewhere but it has really interesting etchings too like there's an etching where francis bray bacon is overlaid against shakespeare Pictures i also of shakespeare. got this not too long ago too so i got the he did he also did a tarot deck you're not going to see it because my 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 camera is in autofocus, but Augustus Snap, the same artist that did the secret teachings, he did a tarot deck. And this is a reproduction of the original tarot deck that came out in 1929, I believe it was. But it was all art done by Augustus Snap, and it's the Augustus Snap tarot deck. So he was, I mean, the, the guy was, and, and I've talked to somebody who worked with him, right, Ronnie Pontiac, which you should have him on because he was, again, a lot closer associated with the actual man himself, Manly P. Hall. And 
one of the things that he told me was that he got Hall towards the end of his life. He was an older guy. He was pretty much blind. He couldn't really see people. But when he said that when he would look at people, he would see right through them in some sort of weird way. He would talk to them and see their aura, if you will. And so he got the less of the occult Manly P. Hall. The younger Manly P. Hall was more occult. They were doing seances. They were doing all these things. He had bought the, what was it, the Lloyd House, I think it was at one point. Like this weird house. His first wife was, again, mentally ill. She was kind of schizophrenic, and she ended up committing suicide, his first wife. And she was, a. you mentioned Francis Bacon. She was actually obsessed with Francis Bacon and finding Bacon's treasures and all these things. But yeah, Manly P. Hall was into that type of conspiracy realm. The was William Shakespeare, Francis Bacon type of conspiracy. But... Interesting character, and, and the way I came across him, I, I don't remember how I came across him, but the first ever book that I read of him was The Occult Anatomy of Man, where he breaks down the biblical text or, or ancient scripture, and he focuses on, on Christianity, but he talks about how the Bible has seven different ways of interpreting it, and one of them is anatomically. So it's an, an anatomical text. And every single thing represents a different bodily function, et cetera, et cetera. I did a, I did a whole episode on, on that, but that was the first work that I ever came across with Manly P. Hall. Now, when I first came across him, I always said, this guy's got to be either be channeling this information because he can sit there. And I've listened to hours and hours of, of Manly P. Hall's lectures, and, and anyone can too if you just look it up on YouTube. But there are hours and hours of him lecturing not skipping a beat and he has like this sense of humor the way he carries himself during these lectures was very eloquent right he was very he was very well read obviously and also he was able to write about all these things in the depth that he was able to because he was actually initiated and the way that he got there his father was absent obviously right he was he's canadian his mother they they moved to i believe he moved to california with his with his grandmother at one point but uh, long story short, the way that he was able to fund all these things was through a what I call a sugar mama. And there were some oil heirs, heiresses, I guess that's the female version of it. One of which was lesbian and she proposed to Manly P. Hall. She wanted to marry him at one point. And so he was able to secure funding and he was able to go out and be initiated in all these mystery schools firsthand and study all the occult mystery schools. I mean, that's what the other mystery schools for a reason. So you need to be initiated into the mysteries in order to understand them. And he writes about this in his, the all seeing eye was a publication that he had from 1920, early 1920s, late until the 1990s. Right. So it was a, it was a journal that he was publishing and he would edit it and write it. There were stories, there was uh, symbolic breakdowns and so many of the topics that I've covered on my podcast I've been introduced, again, the tip of that topic through Manly P. Hall. So one thing I cover a lot is like homunculus. Well, I actually learned about homunculus through Manly P. Hall, right? This weird, crazy idea. You wouldn't think of anything of it, but Manly P. Hall was writing about it in the 1930s or whatever year it was. So he was he had knowledge of all these things because he had an extensive collection of artifacts. He had numerous books that were, I mean invaluable they didn't have a value because that's how old and and one in particular 
that he had, he was obsessed with the kind of Saint Saint Germain, right? Where this he had the the there's there's pictures of him with this triangular grimoire, and allegedly the grimoire had the where to find hidden treasures, how to live forever, right? Because a, a lot of these guys, once they achieve this status, and Manly P. Hall was involved in Hollywood heavily. He produced a movie as well that came out in 19, I forgot exactly what year, but there's a, you can find it on YouTube. It's called What Year Were You Born In? I believe was the name of it. And he had friends, like famous actor friends too, right? Like he was there. Yeah, and he also wrote, he wrote scripts too. What Year Were You Born In? Manly P. Hall. And so he's, when were you born? 1938, Manly P. Hall. And he, has, he actually has a part in it in the front and at the oh, beginning of it. It's an hour and five minutes long. You can find it on YouTube. So he was producing movies. He was in these circles with everybody that, again, this the City of Angels was how you were mentioning earlier, was a hotspot for like this spiritualist movement type of thing. Where, and this is one of my favorite times too, like the early 1900s, right? was the... The end of the 1800s, which you had like Nietzsche died in 1888, I believe it was. And then you had like this, this spiritualism, spiritualist movement revival that came forth. And then obviously you had Crowley and allegedly Manly P. Hall had a copy of one of Crowley's books. He had all his books allegedly, and he kept one poem in particular at the top of his, his desk drawer or something. And whenever they, I would ask him like, why do you have that? And he goes, uh, this is to remind me how low the human intellect could stoop down to. And I'm paraphrasing, <laughs> right? Because we know that Crowley was writing some very nasty and heinous things. And he had he had copies of his work. So he had uh, copies of a lot of his work. I think his philosophical research center, which still exists in yes, it uh, Los Angeles, has like it's a, it has its own library. This is pre-internet too, right? So they created their own esoteric and he was a collector of books. So it's not surprising he has some Crowley stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're going to be running uh, past that because, you know, there, there's one thing that Crowley did contribute was that there is this system that I think that the elites know about. They absolutely know about it and they tap into it. And I think Crowley was the one to really bring forward the like, hey, everyone, you can tap into it. You're a regular guy. You can do that, too. Right. Like, it's not just them. And I think, again, all the heinous stuff apart. And I, and I, I mentioned to you at the beginning of our other episode that we did, like his writing makes me sick to my stomach. Like it like literally makes me sick. And then you have this opposite of Manly P. Hall who's writing about legitimate occult subjects. And he was very private. There wasn't a lot about him in the, in the public limelight. But then I don't know. I'm sure you have the the master of mysteries here. We've read it where it talks about how a lot of these gurus, when I first came across them, I said, this dude's got to be channeling this information. There's no way he can sit there for two hours and just not skip a beat and recite all this information. But that's like deifying this character, right? The, this, the person. But when you start to really learn about like mind palaces and memory techniques that are actual techniques that you can use, not so much a cult, but just memory techniques of, of remembering. I don't know if you've ever read the book Walking with Einstein, but it breaks down how the memory competition athletes, I guess you could call them, how they are able to remember vast amounts of information. Well, Manly P. Hall, he taught Ronnie Pontiac the Pythagorean recollection method, wow. which is a way of uh, at the end of your day, you you walk backwards through your day and remember everything and reflect on your day. And then 
it's a it's a way of like a memory technique and a mind palace is just that you construct this palace in your mind you can start off with your house and you start to populate every single different room with different pieces of information and as he's giving this lecture i imagine manly p hall walking through his vast mind palace because he was able to perfect that technique and he's able to just recite information because of that and i've and i've used the mind palace before where it's to, to remember presentations but you remember key points and then from there you're able to elaborate much further but that's what manly p hall was doing he was right, he's usually just sitting in the chair the ones i've seen with no notes no nothing nothing just, bro oh, yeah amazing yeah it's crazy it's crazy but again and that's that's an old skill too i mean people we yes. were much more modern but all those poems the great poems of uh homer yes. right remembered uh, sages indigenous sages here a lot of the hopi stuff were remembered and people that was like a really treasured skill in mm -hmm. maybe tribal communities or things like that is the one guy who could really try to remember everything yeah so he did something like that is what he was doing yeah today yeah. I, I can't remember a list my grocery list over five things you know I and, and i mean again it could have been that he was actually a very he could have been a pro he could have been a prodigy right he could have been and i, I do think he was a prodigy and there, there's all these rumors that started to circulate around him that he right he was a homosexual he was a hermaphrodite and there was there was also or he was an androgyne or something like that people would Ronnie Pontiac told me about how people would want to have, they had weird requests of him. Like they wanted to photograph him naked, right? So he had all the, if you really think about it, William, the, the crowd of people, and not to attack the listeners, but the crowd of people that, that are attracted to this sort of subjects or topics, they're not the regular layman person, right? They're not the regular person. They, they got to be a little not there, in order to be interested in the occult or the esoteric, right, and in, in these sort of subjects, so can you imagine the circus, the clowns like this that Manly P. Hall was probably attracting to his organization in in Los Angeles at this time? He was like one of the OG podcasters. That's what it was, right? And if you if you believe in the Library of Alexandria, where it was just different rooms and pods of philosophers talking, well, those were the OG podcasts, and Manly P. Hall was doing just that he was lecturing he was hosting and and recording his his lectures also right that can be heard all over youtube and remastered and but that was like a form of podcasting back then he was like one of the og joe rogan's or something or other right right and still accessible right so I, i've yes. seen hundreds of different lectures, like well another lecture another one on mm -hmm. maybe a thousand hours if not more i don't even know like he put out, he had a lot of content, put out a lot, a lot. and it a lot was, of different subjects. Yeah. But right. We're giving like more, maybe if you were a researcher, which you are William, like you have enough time. And then if you add on top of that, the resources that he was given with the, obviously the, the secret teachings of all ages was a, was a huge success for the still time. Is. It's and still it probably still one is. of the top esoteric books 100 books ever written of maybe or 50 10 maybe depends on Ab who you absolutely are. yeah and and i think that he was really <clears throat> able to tap into what young was talking about like this this and the reason that he was giving he was given the honorary 33rd degree as a freemason and i and if you notice when he when he's given that degree his writing 
of revealing uh, as far as like Freemasonic and, and all these different ide ideas. He kind of cuts back on that, right? Because you do have to you have an oath of secrecy or whatever it was. And they gave him that, that degree because they were like, hey, man, you understand this work better than we could ever understand. And he kind of throws shade at like the 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 freemasons like oh the the regular freemason he just goes and he he's asleep during the lectures etc cetera, etc cetera. but this is a guy who was able to decipher what i think young was trying to talk about these these archetypes this symbolism because i believe that all of humanity has the correct puzzle pieces but the puzzle pieces are all jumbled up and i think this is why we have a reflection of the same deities throughout ancient cultures and ancient civilizations just with different names, right? As it's passed down throughout history. Because if you think of history, history is just a cosmic phone game of, of, of telephone, right? Like as it's passed down. And now you're saying you can't, you can barely remember your grocery yeah, list. Well, think about <laughs> these hymns and these poems that they were passing down. They weren't remembering them 100%. But the exaggeration within these stories of Zeus coming down with this lightning bolt and turning into a swan or whatever. Those were memory techniques in order to be able to pass them down. Like music. Music is another memory technique where you're able to remember it because it's a certain cadence. It's a certain way. You rhyme everything. And it does something in the psyche. But Manly P. Hall ultimately understood these symbols that not only talk to, to right, they, they talk to the psyche of the person they talk to the soul of the person i think he was able to really peel apart these symbols and i think that's another factor of why he was so prolific and so successful because he was able to break it down like i said in layman's terms right right if you read secret teachings of all ages it's almost kind of like a history book like he's actually not the real first person writer he's just aggregating all this nut uh, knowledge on the wide variety of subjects, he talks about sorcery, but talks about the rites of, of Eleusis and Greece and just kind of puts it all together so it's accessible. And then, like you said, those kind of archetypal pictures are like a tarot kind of thing. So people yeah. can understand. And Young, Young borrowed stuff from, I mean, was influenced by Manly P. Hall. Like you have this so-called psychologist or whatever you want to call him, but he wrote a book, uh, Young wrote a book on alchemy that used some yes. of stuff so manly may not be known by some people but you may know of his type of work through young yeah and the thing about young that is very interesting young really looked at the occult what he was doing was the occult but from a scholarly perspective so he was breaking down the again breaking these subjects down in a more psychological way but also from an academic lens but ultimately it was the occult what he was doing and yeah, he was obsessed with alchemy and he also, I mean, he, he, he went insane pretty much towards the end of his life. Cause I think it goes back to what Nietzsche talked about. Again, another person that went insane. When you look into the abyss, the abyss starts to stare back at you. Right. And you, you right. You focus on the monsters you're hunting while well, you become that monster eventually, because I think that and that's one of the things that Manly P. Hall talked about, because there was a lot of books that he wrote as far as like self-help and all these different things. And you, if you read the Master of Mysteries, he talks about how whatever was happening in Manly P. Hall's life was reflected in his lectures. So if he was having marital problems at that point, he would start talking about how, you know, divorce 
and a certain astrological sign, which so happened to be his, was, you know, bound to happen or something, or I'm paraphrasing it, but he would like kind of put his personal life in his work. And he talks about how Manly P. Hall is looked at like this, this crazy occultist, everybody loves him on stage. But then in real life, he was kind of like being pushed around by his wife, kind of sort of, right? This frail old man, he was obese. He wouldn't really apply the knowledge that he was giving to people in his own life right so he talked about being healthy and all these things but he was obese he loved to eat sweets and towards the end of his life what i think happens with these guys and one of the reasons that i think that the occult is a lot of bs is because a lot of these guys crowley right austin spar parsons you name it l ron hubbard all these guys they die I wouldn't say penniless because L. Ron Hubbard didn't die penniless, but he died being, right, they were trying to find him, right, uh, towards the end of his life. Crowley died heroin addicted, penniless towards the end of his life. And Manly P. Hall didn't die penniless, but he could have arguably been murdered, right, because right. he was yeah, so... He had a family helper too, right, that they needed. Yeah, and... A suspicious death, like he was found in the backyard or something like that, like not good. But he and, took after Blavatsky too. He even admitted it. Blavatsky yes. was notoriously fat and unhealthy, and yeah, and she did hashish and stuff like that. Yeah, it so. wouldn't shower for for weeks at a time. But the the thing about these guys is that once they they achieve like the material, money, fame, whatever it is, they always lack something. And I think that he was gullible towards the end of his life because he knew that he was coming to an end. He didn't have any heirs to pass on his entire society they had the building and everything and all his books so he started to look other places and i think he got scammed by this guy that arguably could have his wife talked about that he was murdered i mean that's that's simple he was, he was a 89 he needed help like they, they were in there but he was AJ. also trying to extend his life so when these guys achieve this material gain that this world has to offer they want like this metaphysical thing that's a uh, that's far beyond any right no man can reach it so it's like this it's stepping it up to the next level like you have jeff bezos i always use this example but jeff bezos trying to find the elixir of eternal life right these guys want to extend their life as much as possible and it's like it's the faustian pact what are you willing to give up in order to attain this knowledge well i think that he gave up marriages and his personal life in order to really chase these these this knowledge that i that really if you if you if you think about it william i mean how good is it because i mean we, and i've talked about this before that we learn about the occult we study all these things but where is the practical use of it i mean i i know where i stand with that but where do you stand with that william like what I don't use the occult, like so. I don't know. I really just study it from an objective standpoint, just like I study Manly B. All. I'm interested in his, his ideas, but with no practical impact on my life. Mm -hmm. So uh, other people definitely do. I think Crowley, like, is a good example. Or other people, you're doing it this magic stuff to have effects in the world, yes. to impose your will, your will, so you're not talking to a, about a higher higher power influencing you. So I think that that's a general principle, but I think that those people like, like you're, you have a broad set of people you've looked into come from a, you know, Christian background, but 
I think some people come across this occult, maybe the darker version and go, this is what I can use to get what I want in the world. Money, power, sex. And that's the way they use it. So maybe somebody else is looking for, you know, the tree of knowledge, not the knowledge of good and evil, but like I want to be a wise man or an adept. So other people are looking at it for that way for like knowledge. Like Crowley was trying to find the elixir of life too. He actually sold something like that. So I think it's yeah. an alchemical principle, but uh, I think that that's really the real darker occult really is about super selfish motives over other people. So like the, some of these people you'll find, like a lot of people don't know. Now I think it's maybe more common knowledge about Hubbard being really an occultist who started yes. cult to get what he wanted, power, sex, money. Uh, and it didn't end well for him. He, I think he went insane just like Nietzsche. Like he literally was walking, gibbering. I mean, there were reports that he was a gibbering lunatic at the latter parts of his life with long hair and no, no fingernails cut, just wandering from room to room. Kind of like, and then we, we, I mean, his history of using meth and stuff over a long period of time to write is well known. And a lot of times that just fries your uh, nervous system. So I think that's really the attraction of Crowley or what Crowley was interested in and what these other people are the kind of like low, I don't know what you want to call it, like the more dark elements of the human experience, you know, of selfishness and those things that people want power. Uh, adulation or fame. So I think that's what some of those people are using for the, for their will. I think that I don't see, I mean, he clearly um, you know, Hall is involved in esotericism, but I don't see him as 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 much of a uh, darker like yeah. Crowley is about as dark as you can get. So I don't see Hall in that same kind of vein as uh, And neither do I, because that was one of the things, right? He was, he was, I mean, I believe it was Reagan that was friends with him and he visited yeah. him on various, various times. And he wrote, right. He wrote the, he took from Hall the story about the, the shadow man that was at the signing of the, I think it was the declaration of independence of the constitution. One, one, one of those two, one of those two stories, he actually, Talked. He gave that story in one of his his speeches, and it was from Hall that I believe he got it. And again, Hall wrote about a lot of different subjects, and he used a lot of different material, but he didn't really quote his sources. So there will be there will be some crazy things in any of his writing. I mean, he's got numerous writings that'll be just wild. And when you go, he has no sources, but. It wasn't that he was stealing work. That was the practice of the time. It's much different how we do it today, where obviously if I am writing something that I take from you, William, I'm going to cite your, you as a source. Well, Manly P. Hall, the way that they saw it was like, he would look at something and go, yo, this is fire. I want people to know about this. So I'm just going to plagiarize the whole thing and put it in the in my book, but I'm not doing it with malintent. It it's, was the practice of the time. Right. I haven't right. I haven't read his other works. Like I haven't wa read the Secret Destiny of America, which influenced Reagan too. Mm -hmm. uh, and Reagan was surrounding him. Like he was come more comfortable with, and his wife with um, more esoteric New Age ideas than people may know. But like she had a soothsayer. Or whatever. Is he the he one that it. talks about the New World Order? He was. It was him, right? Or the seven. The seven deadliest words like never you know i'm from the government i'm here to help oh, right i don't know exactly what reagan supposedly uh, they met they knew each other like yes. he would reagan would go to the philosophical research yes. center 
which is mm-hmm. really uh, something else. But um, I haven't read his other work. That, But in Secret Teaching of All Ages, he mentions the authors. So he may not be doing direct citing on pages. But like, like you said, I think that was just a fashionable thing. But he does. You mm-hmm. just see the authors. So-and-so said. And so I was actually looking those up today. I was like, who's that author? Oh, who yeah. wrote that book? So yeah. Um, I wouldn't say like he's in that vein of like I'm I'm drinking in this knowledge. But he also was kind of like an advocate for the great white white brotherhood, Mahatmas. Because mm. it was very Blavatsky. Yeah. It was very the- theosophical, right? So it was it was there was that time and he kind of one thing that stood out to me on a on an interview that Randy Pontiac did. And the reason that Pontiac was able to enter and be in the PRS with Manly P. Hall was because Manly P. Hall was into alchemy and all these different grimoires. And he was writing about various things. And he had a, his bibliographer at the time. And this is why, and Ronnie breaks it down on my show that he was kind of sort of watching out for people and quote unquote, but one of the things that really stood out to me when I first heard Ronnie talk was that Manly P. Hall had fired his original bibliographer from doing a bibliography on an alchemical text because the bibliographer refused to take out references to bodily fluids in the alchemical bibliography. Hmm. So Manly P. Hall wanted to omit or occult the, the bodily fluids that they were referring to in this alchemical manuscript or whatever it was that he had the, the bibliography for. And when the bibliographer refused, Manly P. Hall fired him. And when I, when I asked Ronnie about this, he said that he, the reason that he believes that he was doing that was because he believed that he was protecting people from actually wanting to attempt to do whatever it was that was said in this alchemical text, which is, I want to call BS on that, right? Because I don't think that, right? But at the same time, you, there's a reason why they put a certain a certain sign on a doorway or something or on the road because somebody's attempted to do whatever that sign says not to do. So when you have these alchemical texts, a lot of people go, well, Juan, they're, they're symbolic. Yes, absolutely. They're very symbolic and very, very metaphorical. But there's always going to be that student who's going to want to do the practical Thing because the thing about alchemy, it's a practical, biological, psychological, and metaphysical thing. So it's like it exists on these different levels. And I believe that they were achieving certain, right, the magnum opus on different levels of this aspect of alchemy. So, yes, he was trying to quote unquote protect people from actually doing it. But I mean, this information, there is no more secret societies, William. I mean, all the information that you could ever want is accessible. And I mean, Michael Hoffman talks about this extensively where the regular person that you see on the street is more of an initiate than the actual initiate within that secret society. Now, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's a phenomenon that is actually happening today. I mean, Oh, no question. Like you can run into people who know maybe just as much knowledge as uh, Manly P hall. They just know on so many subjects because availability is there you know it's Mm. like this a lot of the stuff like you know people had to go out and compile stuff for the prc right philosophical research center to actually get that there's actually kind of a really interesting old blavatsky center too in la that kind of shares the same kind of architecture as this 
but that's kind of closer to downtown. This is up in because you're in California, right? Yeah, so I see this stuff. I've been in LA 20 years, so I've, I've, you know, whenever I'm up in that kind of Hollywood area, I'll, I think it's off of La Tierra. I think you'll see the PRC. It's really never been to California. It's a stone's through. It's weird. It's a stone's throw away from like where one of the the Tate La, La Bianca killings actually happened, uh, like literally on the same block, if I remember correctly. Like it's oh my, I think it might even back up to the PRC, which is weird. But uh, yeah, Hall is he's still influential. He was influential on all these guys. Reagan Presley was interested in him. There's stories yes. about. Presley read his book, Secret Teachings of All Ages, and was intro was an esotericist. Presley really, I mean, he grew up in a Christian environment, but he was very much interested in a lot of that stuff, according to what I read and sent Priscilla to listen to one of Hall's lectures. So he was very, I mean, he was around. Mainly people yeah, definitely was around. I think that it's it's by design because how we mentioned earlier, one of the reasons that I study this stuff is because I find it fascinating the idea that you can right use your mental power or whatever it may be to either convince yourself or actually manifest a change in reality which I think is a powerful tool right don't get me wrong and I'm not saying that the occult is good or or doing all these ma- magical séances is a good thing but the idea just just of of thought alone and one of the examples I use is my father had, he had a heart attack, right? He, he died four times and he was brought back and he was able to rehabilitate himself. But the entire time, I think one of the, one of the main factors that was aiding my father and being able to really come out and do the, the physical, the, the rehab and everything and, and be successful was his mindset the entire time, William, his, his whole mindset from the very beginning that he had the heart attack was positive, right? He was positive. He was, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to beat this. I'm going to beat this versus when you see when they give people a bad diagnosis and they've been fine. But when they get that diagnosis, just that idea of, Hey, you're going to die in two or three weeks. That alone sets people off and that alone, right? They will eat at themselves like the cancer that's within their body they will it will eat away at them and they actually die quicker than they would have without having that diagnosis and it's like that mind over matter thing now that's i wouldn't call that a placebo effect but i think that the placebo effect is what these occultists want to achieve right this idea of inducing a biological change within yourself through thought alone so when they give you this placebo you believe it's helping you Therefore, it does. And that's an actual phenomenon. Like, that's not, that's not, that's an actual thing that happens now. The placebo effect's been studied. It's been verified. It's not, uh, people think they're getting better. That's why they give some people with like depression or something, they give them sugar pills. So they used to just like, hey, this will make you better. Okay, I'm better. Yeah, exactly. So I think that, that's what, that's what the aspect of the occult that I believe is at play this this idea of being able to morph your reality into whatever it is that you want it to be. And you, you, that reality becomes the the actual reality that you're living in. Right. So convincing yourself of these things that you believe now, obviously they take it a step further because for example, Parsons, Parsons was a rocket scientist. 
right? He was doing hymns to Panda before every launch that he was doing, right? He was doing seances and sex magic in the desert with L. Ron Hubbard trying to manifest a Scarlet Woman. But why was that? Because he was a rocket scientist that was used to seeing results. He was used to seeing A plus B equals that rocket goes up in the air. So when he stepped into his occult practices, he wanted results. So what do you have to do for results? Well, I'm going to do the deepest, darkest thing that I want. And part of the this dark occult aspect of it is that these occultists believe in transgression right transgressing back enough through consciousness or through time whichever way you want to do it in order to achieve a certain state of consciousness that you become the godhead at one point right like it's like this weird thing and i'm actually studying kenneth grant's tunnels of set which was a crowleyan right who was he was a crowley fanatic and he talks about crowley for a little bit yeah 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 exactly They talk about this crossing of the abyss that Crowley did and right facing Toronzon or whatever the, the deity is, the demon that is the, it's the guarding the abyss. And then you have Nietzsche, which kind of sort of talked about right? the the, the right. walker on the tightrope was another way where right? he was hovering over the abyss. So I think that Nietzsche was tapping into these ideas with right? the Ubermensch. Well, what is the Ubermensch if not another state and level of consciousness that you're able to achieve like a high initiate yeah like another way of putting an adept absolutely yes yes and i think i think that's that this all ties together and and it was around the same time that this was happening but nietzsche went insane carly went insane all his wives went insane everyone that he was associated with went insane just crazy everywhere like just right so it didn't work out for them like uh they didn't Mm -hmm. become then Crowley kind of lamented, like, I could be insane. He, he, I think he went in, there's like a pretty credible biographical phrase in Arthur Miller. His biographer said they knew Crowley, Arthur Miller, of Tropic of Cancer, uh, knew Crowley at the very end, Crowley, and they said that he was being sent to a mental institution in Switzerland. So his followers would not want to know that Crowley went batty. You know, interesting. So, yeah, yeah. So I have to go verify that. But um, it makes sense because those were known sanitariums. It's like sending people to a sanitarium in Switzerland for rich people was a kind of a kind of a thing. I think uh, Boyd George or whatever his name was, not Boyd George, I can't remember. Some other, you know, famous people have gone there as well. Mm -hmm. It's a known kind of rehab joint. But uh, it is interesting. Like, and you see this kind of philosophy how they maybe have absorbed some of those concepts from esotericism or the occult, like Nietzsche might have just, it's the same concept, right? But integrated Mm -hmm. into his ideas. I've heard the same thing about thesis, antithesis, synthesis is always really from a magical, you know, working about two opposites coming together. And and, uh, I can't remember which philosopher did that, but he just kind of integrated this kind of, esoteric concept mm-hmm. and put it into philosophy so that's the other thing is like we're talking about terminology too like mm-hmm. you it's like people may use this kind of t- uh, uh manly p hall as guru but the, you don't necessarily need that to like i'm gonna just have my proper mindset like people get in the mindset when they're exercising or something like if they're on some kind of uh health goal i gotta get in the mindset i have to be disciplined i've gotta yes. you know do that so it's it's can be this kind of thing can be 
implemented by a human being outside of these kind of initiatory things. Although, you know, maybe these guys have real knowledge that they're giving in initiations. I don't know. I don't know, William. I, the more I study the occult, the more <clears throat> I think it's BS, right? I mean, personally. But then it really fascinates me that it's an actual topic of discussion and that these, right, these alchemical plates were an actual thing, right? And that they, that they were... That it was it was a, a movement. I mean, right, 16th century Prague and Rudolf II had a whole court of alchemists. Why? Were they actually transmuting lead into gold? Well, we won't ever really know because, again, I believe that there are multiple layers of interpretation when it comes to these things. And maybe it was more of a spiritual movement, right? Turning the, the, the lead, of, uh, lead of man into the consciousness of gold or whatever it is, right? the magnum the opus, the great work that these Freemasons are trying to allegedly do. I mean, who knows? I think that, and that was another thing about Manly P. Hall too. He was also outside. He believed in Atlantis, the Moria. He believed in like the, in giants and all these different things that are against the mainstream that we know today. I mean, he was talking about the seven different races of, of the races. That's all Blavatsky, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And, and again, I don't know if these guys are writing these things because there are things outside of reality influencing their minds and they know that these figures are propped up in some sort of way because you talked about elvis being into the occult well again it's that faustian pact what are you willing to give up in order to succeed right what are you willing so to maybe give up? he made something yeah if you want to talk about somebody who didn't end well elvis holy smokes again well, he died while on the toilet, was it right? He died on the toilet. Well, just like tons of like pills and stuff like that. Wasn't healthy. Somebody said he wasn't able to go to the bathroom for like 30 days. Like he Whoa. was in bad shape, fat. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, again, it, it just comes to show you how far are you willing to go? Are you willing to give it up all? Because at the end of the day, it's like you give up your soul in order for that, that knowledge. And that, that's, that's what happened to Faust. It's like, Hey, you can acquire everything that you want, but uh, you got to, sacrifice a few people or give up your sanity for whatever it is and i think that but then again i don't know if they're acting unconsciously and these entities are taking over them and using them as vessels or whatever it may be uh, because you have right during this time as well you had hp lovecraft hp lovecraft was also real big and if you know about <laughs> we talked about lavenda and all these other guys back then they use these systems as real belief systems because they believe that they are able to manifest these entities now i believe that hp lovecraft might have been taken over by some sort of entity in his dreams i think that when you're dreaming it's like a portal to another dimension there's a reason why they had dreaming uh, dream palaces or whatever it was and during the greek greco-roman times there was palaces where you would just go to dream right the the certain augurs they would do uh, rituals around dreams so again i think that there's something to be said with that but again uh, it's i find it very interesting that it's a topic of discussion that this aspect of reality is one that there is that that we that some people believe in the paranormal right that there is this other world overlaid on top of ours but then you have things in right some people don't like quantum physics but you have things like the multiverse and Things that I believe are the same thing as the occult, except in a modern sense. So uh, quantum entanglement, quantum tunneling, the double slit experiment. Like, what is that if not magic or the occult or alchemy? It's like, what is CERN trying to do? Oh, they're just clashing atoms together. For what? 
<laughs> they were doing that in the Spider-Man movie, and look what happened. It opened up a, a rip in space and time, and then you had all the Spider-Men from different dimensions jumping in. Like, I think that the Cinemagicians, as well as Hollywood, right? I call them Cinemagicians. They are putting it's a good things- term. It's a good term. There's, there's much more magic involved than people yes. uh, willing to acknowledge. No exactly. Doubt. And I think no it's to seed that subconscious, William, to yeah. put it up in here. And again, I don't know. It's a, it's a ceremony. Super powerful. Absolutely. Holy mm-hmm. smokes. Mm-hmm. Super Absolutely. powerful. Did you ever come across any writings or evidence that Manly P. Hall was in contact? I mean, he said the great white brother, but like Bailey, she is saying like a real entity is talking to her. Dawash Cool or whatever the entity's name was like from tibet or whatever did you ever have anything where like he's like has his own entity that he's in contact with no no and, yeah, that, and again that's why him. there's like aspects of manly people and i'm like maybe he wasn't all bad right maybe he was just some guru who was a was a prodigy and he was had a photogenic memory and was just a prolific writer but i no, not 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 like a a kenneth grant type of thing where they do believe that there is this right the seven or whatever it is outside of space and time or the ascended masters now he'd never really again and i could be wrong because there's numerous works that i haven't read of his that i still have to come across but i haven't i personally have not come across anything like that if anyone has i mean i encourage them to to let me know what writing he talks about but he's talked about a lot of different a lot of different he covered a lot i mean his some he was doing a lot of eastern uh esotericism Mm -hmm. chinese guru ship angels philosophy he he was definitely a kind of like a philosophical polymath like just really integrating a lot of different stuff Mm -hmm. but i didn't really see that kind of nastiness like in crowley where you're like doing horrible things to other people and stuff yeah, but, like Lavenda talks about it. Crowley even specifically said that there are intelligences outside of reality that we can't even comprehend. I mean, Lamb was that. Iowaz was kind of sort of, again, another entity. He said Iowaz was Satan. Yeah, who said it was Satan later in magic and theory and practice. Yeah, who, who knows, right? I mean, these guys also contradict themselves too. So there's that aspect of it too. Uh, but no, I never personally, I have not come across any writings of Hall that would indicate that he was in touch with a higher entity or anything of that nature. But a lot of alchemy. I mean, a lot of alchemy lot and of still alchemy. around today. If you watch a Harry Potter movie, you are watching the alchemical process. I'm sorry, but it's yes. clay into gold. That's why his last name is Potter. So mm-hmm. it, that, also, that's the, yeah, not the, not the philosophical alchemy, right? And also Potter is on the route to, uh, so you mentioned Harry Potter, HP. Well, you have HP Blavatsky, High Priestess, or you know the, this 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 mantle that they wear. You have mainly P Hall. You have the HP in there as well. You have HP Lovecraft, and uh, Parsons' dad was also an HP. So I think that these guys. I mean, you know this that they align their names numerologically no uh, in a certain no sense to use it as a sort of talisman. So I think that's also a factor that's there. But again, there's this aspect of it. Is it, are they doing it subconsciously or are they doing it consciously? And I think a lot of these guys are doing it subconsciously because I do believe that some of these texts, William, are interdimensional and they affect reality. Just the presence of them, right? The Nag Hammadi Library and the Dead Sea Scrolls. I mean, those were discovered around when Crowley was doing seances as well. I mean, you, you, there's that aspect of it too. So, I think that there's something much deeper going on. I mean, the Knights Templar, I think we're trying to quite literally transmute 
humanity with these cathedrals that they were putting up. And I mean, you have Falconelli and the mystery of the cathedrals and how Falconelli allegedly had the, the knowledge of nuclear weapons before the Manhattan project and all these other things. So again, this is all around the same time, the early 1900s, right? The 20th century the early 20th century, where it was just like this, this, this blossoming of like this occult and alchemical, I don't know. I mean, it was just, it's, I find it very interesting, but yeah, Falconelli talked about it. And his his contemporaries and his associates were very interesting people, to say the least. Yeah, this guy's one of them. He's probably one of the big occultists out there. Not as nasty as Crowley, but like top ten, you know, Blavatsky, yes. him, Bailey. Bailey's still around. Her followers are still around. This guy's still influencing people. This guy, Mitchell. What's her name? We Bailey what? About. Yeah, Alice Bailey. Okay. Now, a lot of them in California. Like, this guy has contacts down in Oceanside, too. Manly P. Hall. It's some kind of mount ecclesia you ever hear of that he was associated yes. with somebody else he kind of had a mentor forgot his name but um it's really incredible he's only like a mile away from like the agape lodge to mm. that the philosophical research center so i was assumed that parsons had to know this guy like he I'm was sure not, he was aware yeah yeah they, i'm they, sure they, he, they, they, he was aware yeah and and i think that Los Angeles, right, where this is happening, I think that these cities, they're along certain alignments because they resonate with with the world, right, if you will. And I think that this is done by design. It goes back to John D. And I think that the, the grid that was put around the flat earth or glow, whatever you want to believe, was can be used by occultists to tap into as some sort of grid worldwide grid whatever you want to call it lines or whatever you call it yeah exact to lure currents and i think that this is happening right they call it silicon valley for a reason i mean so i think that they're able to resonate with with reality itself this guy was much more influential than people know i guess he's not as fashionable these days but he was big back in his time and or definitely in early los angeles he was really around and giving speeches and and i don't think he knew how big he would get. I mean, I don't think that he knew he wasn't anticipating YouTube. I mean, people have really, they found him through YouTube and a lot of people, I mean, there's, there's audio books on the secret teachings. I think it's like, forgot how many hours, like 20 hours long or something crazy like that. But I encourage people, I mean, check it out. It's, it's how you said, it's not the darker after he does talk about Elephant Levi. And I believe there's some plates on, on Baphomet and all that in there, but these are there. He's talking about elementary, topics of the occult and esoterica that is really just the tip of the iceberg and then from there you can extrapolate it out and and really dig deeper and that's what i tell people always like oh what can i start to read well read that first if you don't like it then i don't know what to tell you yeah and you can find it online i found a copy of secret teachings out there it may not be as ornate and colorful like they when they put together that one book that one large size book something else but yeah let me pull mine out here it's interesting just from a historical like i look at it from a historical perspective one and it's still interesting just as a historical figure not even so much as the teachings but how many wow wow how many people he influenced how many people are he still influencing his you know part of like esoteric current he's one of them you know from blavatsky to the present really but uh, Juan, we are at the 55-minute zone. Really great conversation. You're super knowledgeable. So I really appreciate your time. Where's the best place for people to find your stuff? I'll put a link to your podcast. But uh, do you have any social media or where can people contact you if they want to? Yeah, my website's tjojp.com. And that's short for the one-on-one podcast. 
uh, com. So tjojp.com. And my main social media is Instagram at the Juan on Juan podcast. And I also, I have publications that I do inspired by Manly P. Hall. Actually, I, I have this self-published journal. I have three issues now, but it's called the Occultist Monday. And I have various occult and esoteric subjects in there. Pythagorean palaces, homunculus, everything. I mean, uh, adrenochrome. And I also have a comic book too. And it's about the Saturn time cube with Mark from my family thinks I'm crazy. And my friend, Chris Mensa podcast. It's done by paranoid American comics. And you can find all that on my website, tjojp.com. And I really enjoyed this. William, thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. I'm supposed to talk with Mark right now. So that's where I'm headed off to. So uh, small world. Yeah. Thank you. Really fascinating. So I will put those links in. People I have a link you. tree as well. I'll, I'll okay, send cool. it over to you. Yeah, if you could email that to me, that'd be great. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time. Manly Thank P. You, Paul with Juan Ayala from the Juan on One podcast. Thanks so much. Stay there.